listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are overflowing with a passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. And I'm Jen Justice. And today we've got a special podcast ready for you guys. We want to talk about the brand new brokerage that hit town with fervor and fire, Dream Properties Real Estate. Now, this isn't my hair on fire with the market anymore, right? That, that's right. No, your hair's not on fire. Um, the... Uh, uh, what we wanted to do today uh, is just Jen and I, and we kind of wanted to talk you through a little bit about what a brokerage is, uh, some of the brokerage models that are out there, um, and uh, sort of how they're put together, and then a whole lot about agents and uh, how agents are paid. We want to we want to pull back the curtain, and we want to share with everyone how this industry ticks, particularly in our area, which is obviously what we're the most familiar with, and then share with you uh, as we go what, uh, why we started Dream Properties Real Estate and uh, where we fit in the spectrum of all of these things and what we're trying to achieve. And, and these, we feel like, are great tools for you. Number one, you might be interested in getting into real estate, so I think this would be very valuable for that. Uh, but number two, you you might be curious about um, uh, big name brokerages versus small brokerages, uh, and then what do I really want to be? Um, how are my agents being treated within their brokerages, and and how might that affect some choices I make? So uh, we're trying to share all of that uh, in this one wonderful podcast. So here we go. Here we go. Okay. So first of all, let's uh, ask this question: What in the world is a brokerage? What is a brokerage? So in this case, a brokerage is the real estate company with a broker, person in charge, that houses salespeople, which are agents. So um, it is the company that, um, as you said, houses. And by houses, that's a, a literal, sometimes a, a, sometimes literal, sometimes figurative, right? There has to all agents, and we use the term agent, but technically in both Kansas and Missouri, agent is actually known as salesperson in the law. So you might you might hear us use that term, but agents have to operate with their license under the umbrella of a brokerage. Now, a brokerage can be any business entity model. So it can be an LLC, it can be an S corp, can be a C corp, can be a partnership, can be a sole proprietorship. I think I named them all. <laughs> Limited partnership. I think that can be for real estate as well. Yeah. So they can be any business entity type. Um, we tend to categorize brokerages in, in two categories, uh, franchise and independent. So let's walk through that. Yeah. So we've got your franchise. Most of you know your your bigger names. Your could be worldwide, could just be nationwide. It seems like there's more stepping into the market every single day. Um, and then you have your smaller boutique or independent models that are one brokerage entity. Like there's not uh, multiple locations. There wouldn't necessarily be multiple offices. There could be. There could be right. So like let's give some a, some offices. examples. So for for a franchise model, there are places like 
uh, Keller Williams, Remax, Century 21, Prudential, Realty Executives. And so these are um, newer uh, cloud-based brokerages like EXP. There's there's just all different kinds. And we apologize if we're not naming your that's brokerage. Right. We are just trying to paint a general picture of um, all of our realtor family all across the nation and some, in fact, worldwide. So these have national offices that work on uh, branding and whatnot, maybe some advertisement. We'll talk about things brokerages provide. And then they sell franchises. So when you are working with a local brokerage, it might be, um, you know, XYZ brokerage Northland or XYZ, um, you know, brokerage um, Realty Partners or something because the franchise itself is named a little bit different than the actual um, large brokerage. Kind of like a McDonald's, right? So we have a parent company, McDonald's, um, and then we have franchises of McDonald's that are owned typically like local business owners. We have some here. Um, I can't remember the gentleman's name now. It's slipping me, but we've had, you know, we have like someone that owns eight McDonald's, for example, right. Bell, in this I think area. Is his Bell, name. I yeah. think so, yes. Um, and there's other franchisees of the McDonald's in this area, but that's just an example of how kind of that franchise concept works. I wanted to franchise a Starbucks, and I think this still exists. This was a long time ago now. I had a perfect location for the Starbucks, but <laughs> guess what, Eric? They don't let you franchise the Starbucks. At least they didn't, and I think they're still no, not. They, they only do grant, stores? They grant licenses, like, to airports, because I was like, well, how do they have them in an airport? Yeah. Just a fun fact, anyways, aside. So then independents, and independents essentially mean that there is no large uh, national, there's a single ownership model. There's not a franchise ownership model. Now, they can be uh, multiple offices. They can be big and regional. Uh, is um, the Kansas City, uh, Reese Nichols, aren't they? Uh, Reese Nichols has a couple of forms actually in this area. So they have a corporate Reese Nichols, but then they also have an alliance Reese Nichols. Um, and the alliance is kind of a smaller network uh, that functions kind of like a franchise. And then you've got a corporate entity Reese Nichols. Okay. So they're more franchise based. I thought they might be more of an independent. Uh, obviously, Dream Properties Real Estate is independent. Um, and when you start talking about the number of um, brokerages out there um, and the percentages, uh, I don't even remember what it is. It's like 80% independent, 20%. But that's not the real question you should be asking. If you're concerned about this statistic, it is uh, agents, right? Are agents part of franchise or agents part of independent? And uh, that actually runs about 50-50, a little bit high on the independent side, uh, according to the last stats I saw out of NAR the National Association of Realtors. None of that is, in my opinion, particularly important to uh, a home buyer or a home seller. Uh, because they, most home buyers and most sellers cannot tell you what company their agent's even with. Right. That um, is the vast majority of, of folks out there because we know that you are busy with your busyness of life. Right. But, but I mean, that's how it works. That's yeah. sort of the model. But the other thing that we break brokerages down into is we break them into general types. And by type, we mean sort of how they operate, how they do business. So the first thing we want to do is uh, we want to share just conceptually uh, why you would join one brokerage over another. And this will kind of tell you what brokerages do. Uh, brokerages, they provide some measure of assistance to their independent contractor agents 
and for that they collect a fee. So uh, this varies greatly, but it might be things like uh, an, uh, an office, a desk, uh, a telephone number, a printer, a, a printer, uh, business cards, yard signs, uh, marketing, maybe social media posts, maybe uh, email campaigns, maybe direct mail. They might do. Um, they might. Uh, uh, do lead generation, right? Because a huge portion of real estate, which we'll talk about when we get to the individual agents, is sales. And so you have to actually, you know, find clients to be able to represent them. Uh, they might provide all of these things, and various ones will provide different elements of that. And then for that, they'll take a fee. And we'll, we'll kind of break some of that down. But knowing that, then we can kind of break our brokerages down into sort of general categories. And there's really. I mean, uh, it's all a grayscale, right? I mean, you you can't say a traditional brokerage provides all of this stuff, charges a large fee, and we know it's going to be X, Y, Z. But we do look at brokerages sort of like traditional would be one way we'd look at it. where they Brick and mortar, so to speak. Yeah, right. Where Old they, school traditional. They like, would, and I spoke earlier about a cloud-based brokerage. I think there's more than one cloud-based brokerage now. So they all have different models, different things. Maybe somebody in the future will consider cloud traditional. Who knows? Yeah, right. Yeah. When I hear the word traditional in brokerages, I think of a brokerage that tries to supply um, large amounts of the list I just spewed off with maybe some a few other things. And then they take a pretty healthy split. Uh, and we'll talk about splits, uh, but they take a pretty healthy fee or both <laughs> right? for for that that they're giving to their agents. And what's funny about your, your list here, Eric, is I actually just went to the summit with Missouri Realtors not that long ago. They had a traditional type of brick and mortar, she called it, um, on the panel. They had a discount or a gentleman that, you know, kind of has more of a mass quantity discount model, which we'll talk about a little bit. And then there was a gal that we've actually had on the podcast. Jordan Salisbury, representing kind of that team model that we'll talk about or team ridges we'll get into later. Right. So let's talk about that discount model. So I think one of the things that happened uh, over the years is that um, as agents become more and more uh, proficient, as they have more years in uh, and they start to enhance and augment marketing efforts and whatnot, I think they started looking at some of the offerings from the brokerage going, hey, look, I, I could do a lot better than this, and you're charging me a lot of money for this. I'd rather just do it myself. And so I think there was a trend uh, for some of these benefits, uh, I, and I think it got augmented by the concept of virtual offices, um, where the brokerage may or may not have a brick and mortar, but they don't necessarily have desks for uh, every agent, et cetera. And I'm just gonna drop this real quick because I just did a quick search of discount real estate brokers. And I'm gonna tell you the brokers that come up are not necessarily discount brokers. So very interesting because I was just gonna see a quick pop of what happened there. Um, but you know, there's a variety of, I guess, what discount could even mean in this day and age, just because commission is at the discretion of the agreements that are made between the client and the people. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, any particular way because there's a lot of stuff going on with discussion of commissions in there. So there's there's no particular um, 
agreement or set commission rate. That is not a thing in real estate. It is not dictated by an association or potentially shouldn't even be dictated by a brokerage. That is all an agreement between the client and the agent. And so, you know, that is something that has been highly debated. Uh, You know, you'd probably want to stay away from that in this day and age. And and we do. We want to have a conversation. We want to make that amicable. And we would advise other people to do the same because that is an agreement and a contract that is made. So it's just interesting. Like I said, a quick search. um, Discount could be anything from, you know, 1% to 2% to 3% to 4% to 5% would be whatever. Whatever that is, is agreed upon. When I'm saying discount brokerage, though, when we talk about brokerage models, and I should have been very clear about this, is I'm talking about the amount of money that the agent has to share with their brokerage. Okay. Right? Because that's- Take us down the hill. Yeah, right? Because when we- talk about brokerage models, we think about it from an inside the industry perspective a lot. And so it's about what are you offering me? What's your value proposition? And how much am I paying for that? Just like you would um, uh, approach any employment, right? You go to work for, I don't know, um, uh, Meta or somebody who's putting in a, you know, the battery plant out in in Kansas and you go, okay, this is the job you want me to do. Uh, here's what you're providing for me. And including that as a payment compensation. Well, in this particular case, as an independent contractor, which 89% of the agents across the country are, um, it is, you're expecting me to pay fees. Here's how much you're going to charge me. What are you giving me for that? What's the value proposition? So when yes. I say discount brokerage, I'm talking about brokerages that offer their agents less and less, but also take a lot smaller money out of their pocket. And there's a lot of appeal to that and uh, to uh, agents for that, uh, because, of course, uh, we'll get into a little bit here shortly about how tough it is to become an agent and be financially successful. Um, All that to say, if you Google discount brokerages, a multitude of things come yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and some of it I'm looking at is is not even necessarily accurate based on what oh, I know yeah. in the industry I'm, over the last couple of decades. So it was a fascinating search just quickly for me. Yeah, it is. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and when I was doing some research to prep for this, I would read articles that were just completely untrue. And I'm like, wow. Um, the, the third kind of, uh, well, uh, the third kind if we're going to break it into three sort of types. So we've got your traditional, we've got your discount, which is offering less to their agents, but charging less. Uh, and then we have something called a teamerage. But to explain a teamerage, we have to understand how teams work in, uh, in, in the real estate brokerage model. So essentially, um, again, this is uh, Eric's take, right, on uh, Big Jerky's take on what uh, what's happened in the industry, uh, just kind of looking backwards. By the way, when I got into the industry a couple of decades ago, I don't think we had any real estate teams. Yeah, well, I mean... So- I think they've become a thing in the last decade, although I'm sure there's probably a couple that were maybe a little more outstanding uh, of that. But man, back when... What I saw, uh, just of course, I've only been in the industry for four years, so I'm just kind of looking historically, empirically, just trying to figure out what's going on. And what I saw was as brokerages moved to um, charging less and therefore providing less, there were a lot of people that wanted people wanted their brokerage to provide more. So what happened was uh, the concept of a team inside of a brokerage. So an individual broker uh, would get permission to formulate a team, 
And then what would happen would be uh, they would offer uh, an increased set of services to their independent agents. The agents would pay a fee to them for that. And then the team itself would generally negotiate with the brokerage to pass some of that through to the brokerage. So it was almost a a two-tier model. uh, And these teams were providing all kinds of things that uh, modern-day agents uh, wanted or needed or a lot of them wanted and needed, which leads us to a teamridge, uh, which is a new term that's come out in the industry in the last couple of years. And it's essentially, if you ask me, it's almost full circle. It's really full circle. It's the idea that the brokerage should be providing all the tools necessary beyond a couple of basics like building relationships and knowing real estate, um, they should be providing all the tools necessary for an agent to be successful and uh, charging the appropriate fees for that. So uh, TeamRidge is going back to, I think, what we saw in you know the 70s and 80s that brokerages were providing, which is the full gamut of services, uh, but doing it in such a way that provides a lot of value. Um, and, of course, those sets of services have changed significantly since way back then. Well, we didn't used to have digital back in the early 1900s when the whole profession of real estate and realty, so to speak, was kind of became a thing. So let's talk about where Dream Properties Real Estate fits in to all of this, Jen. So Dream Properties Real Estate, and, you know, we dropped the news here just a little bit, um, but we are sort of that team ridge, right? We are a brokerage, but we also function very interdependent on one another as far as helping one another and wanting one another to succeed, sharing information, still doing in-person things as well as virtual things and all of that thereabouts. We're really trying to pull a lot of those resources and make sure that we have top-tier educated agents in terms of transparency, honesty, integrity, and courage. Those are just some of our big pillars out there that we want to make sure that we're hitting and having people within the brokerage that are highly focused on these things for our clients and our consumers. And basically part of the whole reason we love to bring you guys this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. The, 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 the blend, uh, well, first thing that happens is, is when you put a bunch of independent contractors in the room together, they lose community, they lose camaraderie, they lose that sense of team. Um, and when it comes to any one of these topics, so let's just take general real estate knowledge. It, it doesn't matter. I, it does matter, right? Somebody who's been doing this for 20 years knows a lot more about real estate than somebody who's been doing it for two. But the reality is, is that that person who has been doing it for 20 years is going to run into situations, market conditions, deal types, deal types are going to change, the VA is going to change the rules, whatever it is, that they have not encountered before. So when you create a culture of transparency and uh, assistance, mentoring, coaching, and sharing, then you've got a group of agents that are helping each other out going, hey, I got this VA deal and the VA is doing X, Y, and Z now. Has anybody experienced this? And if not, then you also create a culture of educating yourself, right? And we do that kind of as a group. So that's really important to us in the education sphere. It's also very important for us, and we'll talk about this when we get to individual agents, about um, uh, cultivating high-quality agents, both in uh, the way they treat their customers, 
uh, and clients, but also, um, you know, what they know and, and how they interact. So th- that's, we're definitely uh, somewhere in the Team Ridge model. Um, uh, but one of the things that has happened with a lot of brokerages um, is, and one of the things that when uh, Jen and I started putting together Dream Properties Real Estate, we wanted to create in such a way that we didn't have this burden, which is um, a lot of brokerages are put together uh, so that to be financially successful as a brokerage, they must have a lot of agents. You know, and I'm, I harp on efficiency. Um, I do it with school districts, government entities, or whatever. I'm, I, I have a financial background. My degree is a BSBA in finance and economics from Rockhurst. And so I'm driven to efficiency, looking at things. Um, it also is part of my driving forces is just utilitarian. I am that person that looks for how can we be the most efficient, the best in everything else at I don't want to say lowest cost because I'm not a lowest cost person. No, yeah. I am quality over quantity, which is completely different. So looking at that, just making sure that when we have an opportunity to do something better that makes sense, that is more efficient and potentially at a lower cost than we're paying, we're going to do those things so that we can sustain ourselves without putting numbers over everything else. Yeah, and I think that's really important. Uh, interesting statistic out of NAR. When you build a brokerage in such a way that it only works or only becomes profitable or uh, only sustains itself if you have a large number of agents, uh, uh, in 20, uh, NAR comes out with this um, um, sort of uh, state of the firm kind of report uh, every couple of years. And uh, this particular um, piece of data is about uh, how, what percentage of firms are actively recruiting. And so I figure the more that are actively recruiting, that becomes a large portion of what that brokerage does. When you look at this, um, brokerages with a single office, which is what Dream Properties Real Estate uh, qualifies as, 31% of them are recruiting. So less than a third are actively recruiting at the time of this particular report. Uh, three or more offices, 80% are recruiting, which just tells me what I already knew, but sort of validates that the larger brokerages tend to create models that require a large number of agents to sustain themselves and be successful. Well, if all you're really trying to do is get agents in the door, I wonder how successful you are being at cultivating high-quality agents. And that, for Jen and I, was a huge goal as we put together Dream Properties Real Estate. So it's just something to think about. Yeah, and we we want all of our realtor family to be successful. We want to cultivate that transparency. But another interesting statistic is that Currently, there's about 1.6 million agents around in the industry. And while we love being a very large advocating body, the truth of the matter is that sometimes when you have that many people, and uh, Eric pulled the stats here, 2.5 agents for every home on the market, um, you might not always get the biggest brightest bulb yeah so let's jump into individuals let's jump into right we've talked about brokerages and we've talked about dream properties real estate let's talk about individuals uh and just kind of the again uh, pull back the curtain and and shine the light on what goes on behind the scenes 
let's define a couple of terms first. Um, so we use the term broker and agent a lot interchangeably. Uh, so let me be very specific, at least in Kansas and Missouri, which are the two ones that I know about uh, where I'm licensed. Um, there are two levels of license in both Kansas and Missouri. They are broker and they are salesperson. And there's lots of different categories under that. We're not going to dig into all that, but right, that's the yeah, general. Right. And um, um, a, so we'll use the term agent instead of salesperson because I think that's what they're colloquially known as. Uh, and a uh, broker's license requires uh, more education, requires time and grade. In Kansas, it requires a certain number of transactions, uh, uh, more testing, et cetera. And uh, to be able to run a brokerage, there has to be a managing broker, right? A broker who is responsible for the umbrella of licensees underneath their tutelage. In our case, that is Jen. Even though I am a broker in Missouri, Jen is the managing broker. Um, almost always, agents are independent contractors. Like I said, 89% nationwide. And I don't, do you know, have you, of any locally that aren't independent contractors? I do not think I do. Okay, so. I do know of people that are licensed that are paid uh, as more of a salaried employee for specific types of positions within brokerages. More so I know about those in franchises than I do in Somebody who's licensed and is a transaction coordinator, so they're getting paid a salary for that. Not even that. I mean, you've got some of your operations people right. that are salaried employees of these larger brokerages, if you will, larger firms. Um, I know about those. So, but specifically, I can't think of any person that is an active real estate salesperson that I know of that is an employee that sells real estate that way. I, I think some of the um, discount brokerages may have some of those some somewhere. Stuff, yeah. I, I can't Not remember. Not common, though, I think is the. Yeah, no, uh, I, I would agree. And that's one thing that NAR prides itself on is helping realtors retain their independent contractor status because it gives you a lot of flexibility as a contractor or 1099 as some people know it um, as opposed to being an employee of a specific company firm or, or brokerage. All right. Uh, I'm going to digress a little bit because it's just a huge part of the law and I'm going to talk briefly about agency very briefly. Uh, but it's something that your agent should be going over with you. But there are legal ways that a real estate agent can represent you. And uh, you should understand how they are representing you and when you enter an agreement with them. And uh, this will explain uh, a couple of things. Most importantly, it should prove to you that they have your best interests in mind. They legally should be, in most cases, uh, becoming your fiduciary which means that they are legally obligated to put your interests above theirs. So be sure to check in with agency. Uh, but that's uh, that's not where we wanted to go because that's a big rabbit hole we could go down. Uh, oh, man, it's all the chatter when you get a license, when you do renewals, because it is one of the most commonly misunderstood things, even within the real estate per I can't even talk about it. Profession. <laughs> profession. Oh, Lord. Can't, can't say the word profession professionally. <laughs> Good <laughs> job. Tom All right. Let's, um, let's, uh, let's reveal an ugly truth here uh, that people don't want you to know necessarily. Um, and the statistics vary, but they're all pretty close to each other. The reality is, is somewhere between probably 87 and 90% 87 to 90 percent of all people who become real estate agents fail. They no longer are real estate agents. 
between two to five years after they start. They leave the profession. I don't even know if it goes out to five years because for some people, you know, when that first year bill comes uh, in this area, it's in that November, December window. And depending on if you got licensed earlier in the year and what your fee structure had to pay, um, when you get that bill the first year, that's a hefty bill. And this this industry does come with a lot of fees. I think more so the public's getting used to sort of the subscription model of things, but it's not your $10 per month subscription fee. It is significantly higher than that to keep up with all of your dues, MLS, office, whatever. There is a fee structure that you really have to contend with. And let's just say with regular businesses, when you're looking at it from a finance model, a lot of times you don't make a lot of money until that five-year mark. And it is a hard thing to sustain that a lot of people don't prepare themselves for um, because this is not the best profession to get into as a hobby. Yeah, no. uh, um, We'll dig into that a little bit. So first of all, why are there so many agents? Uh, Number one, because I believe it's a pretty misunderstood uh, profession. I think people think it's easy and I think it, oh, it barely costs me anything because there is a low barrier to entry almost across the country, certainly in our area, um, uh, to uh, becoming a real estate agent. I mean, realistically, in most states, uh, you have to uh, spend a few hundred, maybe $1,000, several weeks of coursework, and you get a passing grade on a multiple choice test. Could be online, could be in person. You know, then you set up your test uh, with varying entities that are approved for real estate test taking in this area. You go and sit for an exam that can take you probably anywhere. I don't think anybody probably completes it under an hour, but I think they give you three or four hours to complete it. I I don't remember what the the thing was. I think, you know, probably your average is probably takes somebody two hours to take this multiple choice test that I'm not going to say they're extremely easy. I do know a lot of people fail the test. I've been blessed anytime. I'm a lucky test taker. Um, I like to study. I like to do the things to prepare myself. But I do know a lot of people do fail the test, but you're eligible to just turn well, around and take the, it again. The reality, so. yeah, the reality is, is that the number of instructions, uh, the number of instructed hours to become a certified cosmetologist in the state of Missouri is 10 times greater than the number of hours of education that you have to take to become a real estate agent. So it's just a low barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of the reason why there's so many people there. And here's another less than pleasant thing about our industry is, is that the associations in general are incentivized to keep it that way because the associations, which have powerful lobbies, which do great things, they, may, they, they exist on membership dues. So if we can have a lot of people in the industry, we get a lot of membership dues. Now they're and not. It does lead to a lot of benefits overall and things that it you know. And, there's a lot of edges to this sword. Yeah, right? and it's they not reckon, just a double-edged yeah, sword, right? They, it's they, a lot of edges. The associations recognize this. They struggle with this. I'm not saying they're evil. They're not. Um, but but it is you know it is a con a, a conflict that you have to kind of you know multiple edge of the sword that you got to figure out. So we've got all of these agents, and we know that vast portions of them fail. So what are some of those reasons? Well, uh, the first thing, and you already touched on it, is is they're, they're not prepared to start a new business. They think of this as something that, you know, I watched 30 minutes on HDTV. This is simple stuff. I walk people through a house and I tell them, ah, oh, this is a beautiful kitchen. And then they buy it and I make a lot of money. Um, the, the reality is, is that there has to be a business plan. Uh, they have to be funded. Uh, they 
they tend to fail because they don't uh, have any lead generation. And I can tell you that's something that I'm not particularly good at and wasn't aware how important it was when I got into the industry. Um, poor marketing. And then when you are a realtor or real estate agent, your uh, income, it's, it, it varies, right, based on your leads, the number of clients, it, it, particularly for agents who are starting out in their first five years, uh, if not beyond that, the uh, income ebbs and flows uh, aren't steady, and that can be very difficult uh, to deal with. Um, if you haven't put together a business plan, so you know, in my case, thank goodness, uh, I'm you know a little bit older, savvy around business. When uh, my wife and I made the decision that this is what I was going to do, we put together a five-year plan. Uh, that included uh, economic growth, and uh, my plan always was to be heavily involved in the running of a brokerage, which you know we've obviously achieved here in year four. Um, but um, these are things that that people maybe because partly because of that low barrier to entry, and and people just aren't out there telling them the truth, which is this is not the this is not an easy, and this is not thirty minutes on HGTV. Well, and HGTV. I'm not sure when you think about real estate in general and becoming a realtor or you know a brick and mortar house that you're going to be selling i'm not sure when you think about that if you aren't diving into the industry do you think about lead generation do you think about where is this business coming from do you think about hosting open houses maybe you do um, do you think about getting out in the community and meeting people you know are and these are things that if you're going into business so the SBA would be a great example of that what's one of the things or the probably the first thing you have to have if you're going to ask the SBA for a business loan because you want to start a business because you're going to need some money for whatever it is that you're either going to be producing doing or whatever you have to have a they business ask plan. you for a business plan yep. and I think it you know Eric and I know this from some of our training that we uh, participate in uh, sales development management tools etc that about 3% of people are writing stuff like this out. So it's not a super high number that just jump in, want to write out a business plan, write out goals, like really go after all of that. And what would be another piece of that? Marketing. Yeah, right? oh, absolutely. And so just these are just scratching the surface, guys. Some of the things that's like, okay, how am I going to create this? How am I going to market myself? Am I going to have marketing pieces? If I go around a neighborhood, what does that look like? How do I create that? And there's lots of great tools now because back when I started, I think there was Microsoft Word. I can't even be <laughs> sure of that. It's probably... Yeah, it existed. I fast, promise you. But let me think about how difficult it was for me to try and create something in Microsoft Word, which was probably our earliest flyer. Right. Maybe, Eric, you probably know of a program prior to I remember using DOS, but let me just tell you that I don't think there was really a way I could well, create a flyer in DOS. Well, Maybe there was. 20, but 20, 20, you know, at the turn of the century in 2000, there was a lot of publisher was out there, et cetera. But oh, are, I think I did use Microsoft Publisher. There are so many uh, and there were a lot of Apple tools out there. I'm just uh, I'm, I'm wondering. Yeah, that was more of your designers thing. You had yeah. to have more formal education in. Uh, computer-related yeah. sciences Tool than I did in business and finance, just to be honest. Tools like like Canva and some others that are out there that are just so easy to use and provide thousands of templates, et cetera, they didn't exist. So, right? yeah, there's no question And about the social that. media. Oh, yeah, social media what, didn't what exist. What was that? Yeah. Oh, my. So, um, 
not being prepared to start a new business with all of those things we've talked about are one of the reasons why they fail. Another reason why a lot of agents will fail is because they treat real estate like a hobby. And you mentioned that earlier as well. Now, it's not unusual for agents to start their career out not doing it full time because it is very hard to make money. You better think of it like overtime, quite frankly. Yeah, but, but there are agents who then just kind of they they mentally are dabbling. They're mentally treating it as a side gig, not what they want to become. And I think that that, that breeds failure, in my opinion. Because we all know that perseverance and consistency are key with anything that you want to be successful at. And as Eric and I learned recently, and probably as a well-known fact, it takes about 10,000 hours to master something. And we really pride ourselves on education, getting ourselves up on all that stuff and mastering our craft. And I think that there is um, somewhat of a, a lack of, of mastery or lack of even desire to have the mastery in real estate because it, it does seem or has seemed like there was, you know, back in the 90s, nothing down for the 90s. Oh, I can learn this. Oh, I can get my real estate license in a week. Whatever that looks like, that doesn't bode to mastery and lack thereof then consistency, which doesn't translate maybe to success. Right. I mean, so we come to our last bullet, which is essentially lack of training and mentorship, uh, which is why agents don't succeed. So there's that mastery you're talking about. Um, and then these various brokerage models, um, you know, almost all of them will tell you what kind of access you have to an experienced broker or an experienced team lead or something along those lines. But we hear horror stories with our associates on a regular basis about, oh, yeah, I, uh, I emailed my uh, broker a question about this deal that I'm trying to uh, get under contract on a Friday afternoon and I got a response on a Wednesday. And I'm like the following I, week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean in just, this yeah. market, while it is starting to slow down a little bit, is not quite that slow. So, when you're looking at a brokerage, as much as you you know are interviewing a potential um, agent to represent you, feel free to ask questions about their brokerage because it might tell you a little bit about uh, where they're at. So, when we talk about how to deal with individual agents and what at Dream Properties Real Estate that we're doing that we hope sets us apart uh, is is the first thing we're doing is uh, we have a culture of education. And striving for lifelong learners, which is actually one of Eric's uh, driving forces. He is like super into education. And I'm sure if you've listened to this podcast, you know that. Right. And we need people who are interested in learning. Uh, we and, and if they're not capable of learning on their own, we help teach them how to, to learn on their own. But people who are very excited about uh, realizing that uh, there's always something new to learn uh, and and that confidence uh, that you have in having knowledge is extremely important when you uh, build relationships. We're, we're huge around coaching and mentoring. Uh, we share this throughout the brokerage. It is critical for our success and our team's success. And our clients. And our client, well, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, we can't be successful unless our clients well, are Well, and also with us. we want, if anything per se was to happen to any one of our people, we want people that feel connected in some way, shape, or form to what is going on within the entire brokerage so that if, you know, something horrible happens, um, I get bucked off my horse or whatever, and I can't be with that client specifically for, you know, a few days because I'm laid up in bed, unfortunately. I want somebody that knows 
you know, what we're going on, what we're doing and, and able to help us step in. And that's part of creating that culture of coaching, mentoring, you know, picking up pieces, whatever that looks like. That's the kind of culture that we want to have. You know, it's funny. Uh, uh, I just went and visited uh, yesterday some clients that uh, had purchased a house uh, with me back in November and December. They closed in December. Um, and uh, they wanted to go see a house. It ended up being the one that they bought after we saw a bunch of them. And I was actually in the hospital recovering from surgery. Uh, and the house came on the market. So someone else on the team, uh, uh, you know, took them to go see the home. Uh, it turned out to be the one they buy and bought. And then they were just talking to me yesterday about how cool that was that another team member was able to step in, knew about them, knew about their search, right? And uh, was, was you know, because homes were flying off the shelf back then. And so they feel like that was a, a key to them getting the home. Uh, when we look at Dream Properties real estate and we talk about the agents and the, the high rate of failure, uh, one of the things that we look at is we say, not only do we have a lifetime of education, not only are we serious about coaching and mentoring, and just to give you an idea of how Jen operates, if she's not going to be 100% available, she posts that and then apologizes to all of us. I'm terribly sorry that I'm taking three hours out for myself once a week. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, once uh, a week, where's that? Yeah, at? that's oh, right. Just once kidding. a month. Just kidding. I'm um, trying, everyone. I'm trying. And I will give Eric kudos. He's He's been great at trying to help me um, balance myself because I, anyone that knows me, one of the biggest pieces in my life has been becoming uh, a more balanced person because I've been, and I told somebody yesterday, my baby before my baby was this business. <laughs> That's right. Because that, I actually argued with the doctor after I had my child why I was still working. Yes, so, yeah. yes. Um, but then uh, we also uh, have structured ourselves financially in a way to allow agents to succeed. So I guess if you're thinking about uh, becoming an agent or if you're um, uh, an existing agent and you're intrigued by Dream Properties Real Estate, uh, give us a shout. We can talk you through that. Curiosity, friends, whether that's with uh, your agent, your client, your brokerage, whatever. Curiosity, curiosity, curiosity. Ask questions. It leads to better conversations. Absolutely. And then the last thing that... that we do as a brokerage is we recognize there are certain things that agents traditionally just aren't good at. Obviously, there's going to be anecdotal individual agents that are going to be excel at various things, but there are a handful of things that agents just don't do well. And we really want our agents to focus in on two things. And the two things that we know all successful real estate agents have, and that's the ability to build relationships and the knowledge of real estate. And so we take some of the minutia away from them of the other things that they have to do to be successful, and we let the brokerage do it. Um, and so we're just we're we're very driven to provide um, uh, successful um, agents out there. By successful, that means they're representing you appropriately, they're communicating with you appropriately, and they have the knowledge to do it. And by the way, it's not just uh, we're going to get all these people who've been doing this for ten or fifteen years. We're just wildly dedicated to bringing on brand new agents and teaching them uh, and uh, cultivating them to become these great agents as well. So we have a, a portion of our staff that's always brand new agents who are working that direction. And we just really believe in the American dream here. Um, and statistics show that that is still a part of almost every American's 
American dream, if you will, is to own a home. And some of those rates, especially for those millennials, are at the lowest rates in history. So we just really want to cultivate that. We know that that bodes to stability. We know that that bodes to amazing communities that we want to help be a part of and build. And we believe that through better agents. Absolutely. Uh, To recap, Dream Properties Real Estate has five core values. They are integrity, service, knowledge, transparency, and courage. We provide for our agents first, and we give them the education and the tools necessary to succeed, and we worry about the brokerage second, much like they provide for you, the client, first, and they worry about themselves second. Uh, we, we, this is the true definition of the word fiduciary. And so much as we expect every agent on our team to be your fiduciary when you hire them, we expect to be the fiduciaries for our agents to make them successful. 100%. So this is important to you because, A, you might have been curious about sort of what goes on behind the curtains in the real estate industry, how things actually work. But B, these could actually be some driving questions you have about your agent and or your agent's brokerage that can help you understand and make the right choice. There are plenty of great agents out there. Make sure that if you're not choosing somebody from Dream Properties Real Estate, you are choosing another great agent and use these as tools to do so. Be curious, friends. All right, that's it. Another great episode of Get Real KC. Until next time. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com where you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.